Welcome to episode 34 of the Knit British podcast. Knit British loves wool that's been grown, spun or dyed in the UK. And on this journey through all connections of Britishness in wool and knitting, I am your host, Louise Scully. This episode, I am going to be looking back at the Hapalong Cal. So grab your drink, grab your whip, grab a hap. And let's go. Knit British is delighted to be sponsored by Brit Yarn. Brit Yarn is a brand new online retailer seeking out the very best in British wool and bringing it all into one place. To celebrate and share in a love of British wool, click on the logo in the show notes or visit brityarn.co.uk. Welcome to episode 34 of the Knit British podcast. It's lovely to have you here and very big welcome if you're joining me for the first time today. It's really lovely to have you here. Um, this episode of the podcast is a slightly different to uh, uh, my usual format in that I am in the process of moving house and packing up everything and I thought that because Sunday is the last day of the Hapalong Cal, we would have a little look back at the Cal and how it's just grabbed at people's imaginations and you know, people have really run with the, the this knit along and not only knit one hap, but some people have knit several haps, myself included. Uh, so, so I do hope that you have your drink and your whip and maybe you're finished trying to finish your hap for the, the last day of the cow. As I am, I have my, my kelpie here. I'll t- talk a bit about that later. So a slightly different format, a bit more, a bit more laid back. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. Uh, she's here, you can take a break. I'm a hot air balloon that could go to space. With the air like I don't care, baby, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm happy Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof Because I'm happy Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth Because I'm happy Clap along if you know So the Hap Along Cal, it sort of had its inception in my brain uh, during Shetland Wool Week last year. I took Gudrun Johnson's Hap class uh, where we knit a mini hap and I thought this would be a really good concept for a cow. For anyone who doesn't know what a hap is and I'm sure you all do now because you've you've asked me lots of questions and you've read the blog but a hap is a traditional garment, very practical. It's a shawl, square or triangle and Essentially, it is a garter stitch centre onto which an old shale border is knitted and then uh, lace edging knitted onto the border. Now, haps have a very 
specific kind of construction. You you generally would knit the pieces separately and traditionally all the pieces would have been knit separately and then grafted together. There is a, a, what's confusingly called the modern hap technique but also has been called traditional chitlin construction as well where you knit the centre and you pick up the border by picking up the yarn overs on the edge edges of the this centre square uh, and then you begin knitting in the round and that's how I knitted my full hansel but you as I say you can you can knit it in pieces and graft together and the hap was a very traditional garment uh, everyday article of clothing for women hap means just means to wrap up warmly and you may have seen pictures archive pictures of women wearing um, the, the shawl folded in half and wrapped around their body uh, and tied tightly it was a means of simply keeping warm and it was traditionally not knitted in the finest wool the finest wool was kept for making items to sell and it was of course homespun and um, home dyed for me this is for me this is an incredibly nostalgic garment and um, I, I I thought that it would be really fantastic to try and encourage a cal and sort of riff on the theme of haps so of course traditional haps and Shetland shawls that are constructed in this manner were allowed uh, in the cal and anything called a hap so hap for Harriet the North Maven hap both Kate Davies patterns we have had the hap I'll not get this right, Hap Lapkin, uh, an Afghan blanket um, for Hap. We've had Hap cardigans. All those things were allowed because some people aren't maybe so interested in the traditional and want are interested in the contemporary twists on the original. So it was really important to for me to have a wide uh, remit for people and so many patterns you know fall into that we have the Shetland Trader patterns Hansel and her more uh, modern interpretations on that construction with Simmerdim and Istlite and Lauren and Flockra and we have people knitting Brooklyn Tweed's patterns, Quill and Kelpie, and of course people knitting Kate Davis's patterns and all those other hap patterns in between. And so it's been really, a really fantastic amount of people have taken part. And it all, as I say, it started during Shetland Wool Week. I, I had the idea and in January of this year, I, I thought I would put out an interest thread on Knit British just to see if anybody was interested in, in doing this and they were and <laughs> on the 10th of April we cast on and we had a little cast on party on Twitter and Instagram and Ravelry and I got a crick in my neck from <laughs> from uh, working the laptop at my left hand side my phone at my right hand side and also trying to cast on my knitting in, in, on my lap <laughs> And I, I think it was during the Hapalong hangout that I uh, on that night that I realised that people were really interested in the Hap, and we were interested in sort of the social history. They were interested in it, its place in traditional Shetland knitwear. They were interested in the construction, and. Uh, 
not to mention the color combinations. And I think one of the abiding images I have of this hapalong have been lots and lots of little strips of card with different configurations of coloured yarn on them because many uh, uh, the Hansel pattern and the half Hansel and Kelpie uh, and North the North Maven Hap and other patterns which echo the traditional Hap pattern the they have an old shale feature and lots of people are playing about with ideas of colour and combinations and contrasting colours and posting the most fantastic pictures of, of these yarn swatches and asking for help and asking for what do you think about this and, and people giving that assistance and giving that support. And oh, well, I already knew that, that the groups in Ravelry in Akal are so fantastic and so supportive. But I guess I didn't really appreciate how much of a community would grow from the HapChat thread. Uh, and it really started with those um, colour swatches and and how to go about playing with colour. And some people maybe weren't so confident in, in colours and other, other members of the group were really happy to help with that. I cast on my first Hap, um, Hansel, full Hansel, Square Hap by Gudrun Johnson and the yarn I was using was Natural Dye Studio Yarn, the British Wool Club, which had been so kindly gifted to me by the lovely Evie and Lily from from Ravelry and I, she asked me to keep some for myself and give some away as a prize and I thought what better to knit with this than a hap because it would be such a special reminder of a generous gift and I think I thought it would show off the yarns that she gave me would be so beautiful in a hap and so knit my centre square in cream yarn and that was alpaca and exmoor horn and then I decided on three colours for my border a lilac pale lilac grey which had BFL and alpaca in it uh, a purple which I think was Wensleydale and Paul Dorset, and a fantastic grey, which was Wensleydale and Zwarbles. And so this is a very, um, as I say, special yarn, a really nice present and uh, really meaningful for, for me because it's um, all British breeds. I didn't go for piping stripes of contrast colours or anything like that. I was sort of inspired by a lot of the gradient um, and ombre inspirations that are out there in knitting at the moment and wanted something that had a nice flow to it. And so that's what I chose. But there, as well as inspirational colour swatches, there were far more inspirations that went into these haps in the hap along. Um, and I wanted to tell you about some of our happers and what inspired them. Some people used a photograph image to choose colours for their haps. Only Dreaming was inspired by Turkish pottery that she had seen in London, and this was a really beautiful pottery bowl with uh, the background of the bowl is is uh, a 
white background with bright blue flowers and beautiful curving leaves that actually echo the shape of a shawl themselves. Uh, and thus her, her hat, which was a Hansel, has a white centre with blue and uh, with green as central um, stripe colours. Some knitters used the um, inspiration source design seeds, uh, which takes photos and, and creates uh, paint chips, uh, colour swatches, uh, which I think it was a fantastic way to do it. Monty Mouse used her fantastic Orla Keeley sunglasses case as inspiration for her hap, which included some divine Falkland Islands wool from Blacker. Monty Mouse knitted uh, two Hansels, I think. Christy in BC used an inspiration picture of Burristow House, which is um, an accommodation here in Shetland on the west side, as the inspiration for her hap. And she's using an oatmeal coloured yarn for the centre, which is... Um, similar to Burstow House and there's some fantastic uh, green landscape in the foreground. She actually worked for from a, I think uh, a number of images uh, for her contrast in colours as well and so there's fantastic picture of a seashore with some beautiful red gold green moss and uh, dry stone walls and uh, I just that makes my heart so happy and she's called it the Burstow Hap Fiddlesticks was inspired by sea glass and knitted her Hansel hap, which is was a, a gift for her mum, in the most beautiful sea greens and greys and blues. As someone who always looks out for sea glass on on beaches, I just that's a really lovely inspiration. Another inspiration, colour wise, which just made my heart do cartwheels was Rhythm Sticks on Ravelry who used one of the panels in the Great Tapestry of Scotland as inspiration for her hap and it is the St Margaret panel. I'm sure you all know about the Great Tapestry of Scotland. Rhythm Sticks took her inspiration from the stitching on the archways of the architecture in this panel which depicts uh, St Margaret of Dunfermline and the the archways bear striking resemblance to the old shale of the hap and she has used the colours I mean such a fantastic match uh, of greens and golds and reds and the blue of St Margaret's gown. It's just stunning. It's really, really stunning. I will endeavour to post a picture of that. One of my most favourite inspirations for colour in this cow has to be the great works of art by Elethea. And I hope I am saying your Ravelry name right. Elethea has knitted five haps 
during this hap-along, which has been a long hap-along, I grant you, and mostly chosen because I didn't think I would knit one hap and I gave, it was really a, a date for myself. But Althea has knitted five haps and each hap has been inspired by a work of art. And let me just tell you about these. She has colour matched from these great master paintings Starry Night by Vincent van Gogh, Medicine by Gustav Klimt, Red Interior Still on Blue Table by Matisse, Irises by Vincent van Gogh and Vincent van Gogh's Bedroom. I just think this has been this has been an amazing cal because people have attached meaning to the humble hap in ways I never thought possible. Um, meaning in terms of learning a new skill, a new type of construction, knitting a shawl for the first time, knitting a special hap for a special person. Um, but knitting a hap to celebrate works of art is just amazing and every time she has posted in the chat thread I have just been blown away by this and how expertly she has really managed to match those colours. If we look at Vincent's Starry Night Hap first and I will put links to all of these in the show notes that you can appreciate them. This one has been uh, knitted in Jimison's Shetland Spindrift. The colours sparkle as much as the painting. It's one of my favourite paintings, actually. How she's managed to capture um, that sky in the colours of the border and is is just, just amazing. The centre has been knit in the rosewood colourway of Shetland Spindrift, which uh, is a is a dark colour, but there, if you look very closely at it, there are so many other colours in there, and it does just sparkle like like the night sky. I also love the Matisse shawl and how how she's she has captured elements of the the painting even in the centre of the shawl by using um, another colour uh, in, in the in the centre of the shawl. But perhaps my favourite of all the shawls is Vincent's bedroom. I know that she really struggled to find uh, the yellow of the, the bed and the chairs uh, and balance them. Uh, but what a job, what an amazing job and such a happy shawl and <laughs> which is possibly ironic considering Vincent van Gogh was not a happy man for most of his um, adult life. But my goodness, what a joyful shawl. With a lilac centre which echoes the walls and the pinks of the pinks of the floor and uh, the, the yellow that she really strove to, to find. It's just a really, just such a delightful shawl. And my hat is off to Althea for her multi-happing during this cal and also for being such a stalwart in the hap chat thread. The hap chat thread, let me tell you what 
an amazing place of inspiration, of support, of and of such good humour. We have over we have well at the moment we have two hundred and twenty nine pages of chat, which shows you what a community and uh, what a little social hub the Hapalong Hap chat thread has engendered. And anyone who has been in the Hapalong, uh, who has just been dipping in and out of the Hap chat thread, will know how difficult it has been to keep up with the conversation because it has moved so fast and people have just embraced, embraced the Hap and the Hap chat. And I've been asked to keep the Hap chat thread open after the Cal finishes. And I am really happy to do that. I'm amazed at as I keep saying, how people have have been bitten by the hap bug and have not just knit one, but some have knit more than one hap and in such fantastic wools and yarns. Uh, lots of people go in for Shetland yarns, lots of people go in for British yarns, which wasn't a prerequisite of the cal, but I did say I would be friends forever with anyone who did knit in British wool. Lots of people spinning their own yarn and Deb who is fondant fibre who has the fondant fibre shop has just posted on Instagram today of her own North Maven hat which she knit in yarn she spun from her own shop she used the natural selection packs and these contain British breeds and some actually rare breed yarns in there as well and and not just her but uh, Jilly Bean she posted a picture of her finished Hansel with I think with one of the sheep in the background uh, who contributed wool to the yarn that she knit with Bethy also knit with wool that she had spun herself and Sarah from the Fibertrek podcast is also knitting uh, a Hansel hap in yarn that she is spinning from threatened and critical breeds in America and I asked her if she wouldn't mind telling us all a bit about the breeds that are going into her hap so here is the lovely Sarah from the Fibertrek podcast to tell you all about her hap journey. Hello, Knit British. This is Sarah from the Fibertrek podcast, also Swensty on Ravelry. I thought that because I'm participating in the hap along with some local wools, local being a very loose term that I'm using, that I would talk a little bit about that for your local to you segment. So the hap that I'm knitting, I've decided to use all critical and threatened breeds in the United States. The assortment of critical breeds that I'm using for the hap include all the feral sheep. That feral means that historically they were minimally managed, if managed at all, by humans, and so therefore considered wild. So I'm going to just talk about the feral breeds that I'm using. The threatened breeds that I'm using are the American Jacob and the Navajo Churro. And so those are truly um, considered quote-unquote American breeds. They also include on that particular list Cotswold, Lester Longwool, etc. But I kind of wanted to focus on just particularly American breeds uh, for this project. 
So the HAP will consist of the Santa Cruz, the Gulf Coast Native, and the Hog Island for the feral breeds. And I have had to source all of these. Uh, the Hog Island I sourced initially at the Maryland Sheep and Wool. It's a little bit more prevalent and a little bit more available. The Gulf Coast Native I was able to find on Etsy from one farm, so it wasn't as difficult, but it took a little bit of research. And the Santa Cruz was exceptionally difficult to find a resource for that, and I've had to wait for the spring clip. So I've been working with a woman from Blue Oak Canyon on getting this fleece to me, and it is finally on its way. So let's start with the Santa Cruz. The Santa Cruz sheep originated off the coast of California on an island that's a Santa Cruz Island, which is about 100 square miles. It's a mystery in how they got there, but they believe that the originating genetics were Merino Rambouillet. In 1890, there was a large ranch on the island by started by Justinian Clare. He had ran about 50,000 head. And in the 30s, his heirs were kind of squabbling over the estate, and a number of the shares in the island were sold. And the remaining animals at that time went wild, went feral. In 78, it was purchased by the Nature Conservancy, or at least in 78, the Nature Conservancy began a restoration of the island and therefore eradicating the sheep. And the Livestock Conservancy was able to intervene at this point and save a number of individuals. So only a couple of flocks of Santa Cruz exist today in the U.S. There's about 150 animals left. So you can see why that particular breed or particular resource was hard for me to procure. The focus right now on that breed is not the wool. It is the physical in um, vigor to bring that breed back. So the wool tends to be very inconsistent and it is a short staple wool and, and it retains all of the feral elements, um, can be colored and these sheep tend to shed. Uh, so, so we'll see what comes in the mail. The next breed that I'm working with is the Gulf Coast Native. I was able to procure this from a farm in Georgia. This breed originates in the southeast United States, so Florida, Georgia, Louisiana. It is believed that it came to North America via Sp Spanish and French settlers. And this particular breed evolved very well to manage hot, buggy, wet climates. So wet being the operative word there, uh, wet footing, wet climates tend to exacerbate the malady of foot rot or hoof rot in sheep. And so resistance to that is a banner trait. Um, and therefore you've got strong sturdy feet. Strong sturdy feet in an animal mean they can get from their place to place. They can graze for their food source, aka healthier animals that can get around and move um, to to find what they need and, and become better foragers. So at the start of the 20th century, hundreds of thousands of these half-wild sheep were living in the southeast. But after World War II, right around 1945, um, improved breeds were brought in. And, oh, there's my clock. It's 11. And so this is like a signature element of my podcast, too. Uh, so these were, the improved breeds were brought in. Um, now that they were able to, with husbandry, withstand parasites and heat, and therefore there was a decline in the Gulf Coast native population. 
the key thing about and most interesting thing about the Gulf Coast native, and we talked a little bit about this with the foraging, here's an example, is that they will eat noxious weeds, one of which is kudzu. Uh, kudzu vine is an overpowering invasive in the southeast, which is uh, taking over a lot of the native vegetation and these sheep will eat that so huzzah for that they have an outstanding resistance to many internal parasites and as I said before foot rot so this particular fleece that came to me I got four ounces and I spun that up into a two-ply fingering and I can't say enough positive things about it it was plush and it was like spinning velvet it span spun very easily it has a crispness about it it retains definition it was a great fleece to work with and I would highly recommend anybody looking for something fun and different to seek out some Gulf Coast native which with has, has such a great history and connection to landscape the last breed is the Hog Island which is kind of where this all began I was able to source this particular breed from a farm in upstate New York very readily Hog Island is off the coast of Virginia in the United States and was settled around 400 years ago. So this sheep has been hanging around off the coast, or had been hanging around till about 74, which is a very long historical time. And they were they went feral in 33 when the last inhabitants of the island left. They do shed their wool and they have a very high lanolin content. And like the other breeds, they come in colors. Veer these flocks were relocated and now exist in the east coast there was the finger lakes flock and also a group went to mount vernon which is george washington who was the first american president his home um, took on a flock of this hog island so there you have it we'll see how it all goes i'm anxiously awaiting the santa cruz and i have a little bit of more hog island to spin but the gulf coast native is done and a good majority of the Hug Island is done. So thank you Knit British for this great opportunity to explore the local wool or at least the critical breeds in the United States. I've really enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to whatever next comes up for participation in the Knit British podcast. I just wanted to make a quick note that the research for this segment was done using the Fleece and Fibre Source book by Deborah Robson and Carol Acarius. Thank you so much, Sarah, for taking the time to talk about your HAP journey and the important wool that's going into your HAP. And I haven't uh, announced this yet, but Sarah has given us a prize for the HAP along. It's a Romney wool, which is a British breed, uh, though Hope lives at, uh, happily on a small farm in uh, New Hampshire, and she's donating that to uh, two skeins of that, I think it is, to one lucky winner in the Hapalong. So thank you, Sarah, so much for that. Another person who's also making their hap out of local yarn, in fact, their own yarn, was Laura Sue, who made a simmer dim from her own alpaca, namely Scallywag, and it was processed and spun um, near her so how satisfying to know that your hap you know ex not only do you know exactly where the yarn or the wool came from to make that hap but you know the name of the animal who gave it and lucky enough to own to own the alpaca too i think that's lovely and your your summer dim is beautiful lot of sue here's why because i'm happy Come along if you feel like a room without a roof
When I look back th through the posts, the biggest inspiration actually is you guys because I've just found your haps so inspiring and so beautiful. Midgey Moo's North Maven on fire. Your colour choices are beautiful and I feel the warmth coming off your hat. Just looking at the picture, Larathar from Iceland knitted a beautiful um, Hansel in Einband, which is the lace weight Icelandic wool, uh, which has been hand dyed as well. Really, really fantastic. I loved this must be Sonia's hap, which is a new yarn hap. Sonia works for Blacker and cast on her hap in the fantastic Leoness yarn, which means that not only is it a hap that's going to have luster and drape, but it's going to be so fantastic on the beach because it's a summer yarn. And then you guys who knit the hap cardigans. The hap cardigan is a design by the lovely Emily K. Williams, which I'm sure every ancestor of mine who's ever worn a hap must be, you know, turning in their graves going, yes, armholes. Why did we not put armholes in hats? Um, there are some beautiful interpretations of Emily's cardigan. Maz Knitter has knitted one. Um, she's called it Put on a Pumpkin and she's knit it in Old Maiden Aunt Shetland two-ply lace weight in the Put on the Day colourway and the Pumpkin Pie colourway and it is just a joy, an absolute joy. Lucky Dog and Blythe Spirit, you also knitted the Hap cardigans. Not only do they look beautiful, you know, like all the Haps knitted in this cowl, there's not two alike. Same patterns, but not two alike. Just beautiful and a really relaxed cardigan as well. I, I really, I really love the 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 garter top and the old shale. Blythe Spirits is all in British wool. And I I think a fantastic uh, cardigan for this summer, particularly. I was talking just there about the Leoness yarn on the beach, but my goodness, you might need a cardigan on top of that as well, given the kind of summer that we've had. Although the the um, hap chat thread itself got a bit unwieldy at times if you'd been away for it for too long, watching the progress was just fascinating. And, you know, seeing seeing people uh, genuinely excited by the progress. I mean, for me, it took me a long time to get that central panel done. I took ages and it took about 200 grams of, of the yarn before I got my central panel done. But some people are really fast knitters and we're seeing progress really quickly. And I loved seeing those progress shots uh, uh, in the Hapchat thread, particularly the ones with cats for scale, or as I like to call them, the cats and the haps. <laughs> because, but lots of cat-owning hapalongers uh, seem to have in their images a cat nearby their in-progress hap. And <laughs> these images are just fantastic. And let me tell you about some of them. Some of the cats that we've had, Jogs and Needles, her cat Mitten, Jubble 66's cat, Louise Tilbrook's cat, Pink Peking's neighbour's cat even got a look in, 
Jennykin Eight's cat was doing what I call the dreaded wool padding on her hap, which my cat is not allowed to do. Uh, Only Dreaming had a cat. I think even Elethea had a hat, had a had a cat on a hap, and um, I when I cast off my my Hansel the other day, then I did allow Jeremy to be near the hat just for the heck of it. I don't know what it is about cats and wool. Uh, I think my woolly mucker Felix tackled this uh, topic over in November last year. Cats just seem to like wool. And if there is anything woolen in our house, like a, a cardigan strewn to one side or a blanket or anything like that, Jeremy likes to jump up and do that padding motion which is a really fantastic motion and there's a real rhythm to it and the shoulders go and and the claws come out and then they go in and then they come out and then they go in and the nose gets touched to the wool not licking per se but the nose gets very close to the fibres of the wool and gets very wet (laughs) and I believe that this action which cats also do in humans as well, this padding, is what they do to their mums when they're kittens to get the milk to come out of the teats. And the little nose, of course, would be close to the teat, to find the teat. And um, the padding action is obviously a way of getting getting the milk to come out. And so, uh, so wool obviously is very like mummy cat's tummies, I think. <laughs> um in my house, Jeremy is not allowed near blocking anything. And I have to, not only wool, but any sort of new surface that there appears to be a paper bag, a plastic bag, um, some old sack, and anything that she finds is a different texture of surface. She likes to lie on it. And so when my hat was blocking, she did start to crawl near. Usually when I get the blocking pit, mats out and the pins out then she comes out of her little bed and she's like looking around like can I help you with this is this something that you need my assistance with then when I tell her no she ends up lying on top of it so she gets shoved to one side um but because we're packing I didn't have any towels to hand any ones that weren't being used and so I thought what can I put on top of this hap to stop the cat from lying on it and I did find something fantastic that she didn't want to lie on bubble wrap. Bubble wrap is a texture that she's not so sure about, so therefore I didn't go anywhere near it. The other thing that commonly happens when I have something blocking is that (laughs) some mornings I will wake up and there will be some cat vomit within an inch of the blocking item. It's like a warning. It's like you know, don't keep me from the wool too much, Louise, because this is what could happen to you. <laughs> you know, a bit of thrown up grass or a bit of some treats thrown up near my knitted items. And it happens most of the time, apart from this time. <laughs> so thank you so much for all your cats in the haps pictures and your cats and your neighbour's cats uh, <laughs> unknowing unwitting superstars of the hap along so yes not only in the hap chat have we found community have we found support but we have found cats
here is Meg to tell you about her HAP journey and what her HAP means to her. Hi Louise, this is Meg. I'm calling to say thank you for organising the HAP along. I hadn't originally intended to take part in it, but then my sister had her first baby and I wanted to knit something for the child. The photos in the Ravelry group inspired me so much and I decided I would make a HAP as a christening shawl for my nephew. I hope this traditional garment will become an heirloom, part of our family history as it were. I love the idea of my stitches becoming intertwined with a family tree. It adds a degree of permanence and continuity into a world that is so very disposable these days. I have very much enjoyed the community in the Hapalong group. I have delighted in the wealth of talent, creativity and eye for beauty amongst my fellow knitters, but also their encouragement and enthusiasm. This was my first cowl, but it definitely won't be my last. Thanks once again, Louise. Great job. As I mentioned before, for some people, this was a brand new way of knitting, of construction, of skills and of techniques. Some people had never knit old shale before and some people had never done knit on edgings before and I dare say they will not do knit on edgings again. (laughs) And for some people, the hap was a labour of love. I had my own hap horror when I joined my second colour in my full hap and realised that the yarn was leaching dye all over my hands and not just a little bit, a lot. Purple blue dye just covering my hands and and I thought about it and I thought I could just carry on knitting because I know that blue pigment can just come off with your hands or natural pH uh, drawing out rather than it being something that would leach out in, in the wash but I thought of those 200 grams of cream alpaca and Exmoor horn that I had knit the centre in and I thought I don't want to chance it. And so I had to rip out, granted I'd only knit maybe four or five rows in that colour before I realised, which was quite a lot because I was I was TV knitting and I wasn't aware that, that the, the, the dye thing was happening at all. Uh, so I ripped it out and I was really scared to rip it out. Ripping out old shale lace, all those little decreases and knit to get knit two togethers and slip slip knits, which are quite hard to pick up again. And I thought, oh, how am I going to do this? And so I left it for a little while. I just put it to one side and I thought, I am going to rip that out. I am going to be proactive. I am going to get this hap knitted. But... I think I just need to take a break from it. And so while I took a break from it, I knitted on my Simmer Dim in Yarn Pony Yarn, which I'd started as a travel project. And in the time that I let my full Hansel rest, I finished my Simmer Dim. And I think that gave me the sort of impetus to think, right, no, we need to carry on with this full Hansel. So I ripped out the purple and managed to pick up the stitches really the rest of the stitches really quickly and really well and I do think that had a lot to do with the um, 
sheepy content in the in you know being 100% wool it was sheepy enough that when you pulled out the stitches the stitch sort of stayed there it was ever so slightly sticky not like a sticky Shetland yarn but the stitches sort of stayed where they were and didn't pull further down and drop so I managed to rip out the offending purple and pick up all the stitches in about 45 minutes. Now, for me, that's amazing. And then I had to put it to one side because I thought, like, whew. <laughs> now I need to wash the yarn. So I, I had another skein of the yarn and I followed some advice. Um, scented wool washes m- might be the very thing to draw out excess blue pigment dyes. There's a lots of things and um, lots of ways you can do it, lots of things you can do. People talk about vinegar. Other people say don't use vinegar unless you're going to boil the wool um, and use really hot water. And I didn't really want to do that in case it felted. So I used my scented wool wash and it took three baths and the colour no longer ran and somebody asked me if I thought that there was a drastic colour change um, after the washing and I didn't think there was but you know what a lot of dye did come out but it didn't affect how I wanted the colour to be in with those other two colours so that was a slight hap hap horror and as I say some other people found that this cow tested them ever so slightly. Here is the lovely Claire from the NH Knits podcast. And you will tell from Claire's accent, that if you if you don't already listen to the podcast, that Claire is originally a Scot. She's got a fantastic accent. She's going to tell you about her hap journey and how that, despite the issues that she experienced she has a hap that she loves and that has the intention to knit more hi louise this is claire from new hampshire knits i'm the knitting podcast from new hampshire usa and i have been taking part in your hap along um, and i have been chronicling the roadblocks of this hap all through (laughs) the knitting of it. It's been a difficult knit for me. I think only because I didn't give it the proper forethought that I should have. Um, I had selected a particular yarn to start knitting the body and I could not get gauge and I didn't like the fabric I was getting. So I changed and very happily uh, went with blacker uh, Swan Merino Shetland wool for the body. And then um, I was hoping to use some homegrown Shetland wool from actually Vermont uh, for the border. But as soon as I tried to incorporate that, it did not go at all with the blacker. They were two completely different Uh, thicknesses. So I did some quick shuffling uh, in my stash and found that my Harrisville Designs Shetland wool would do a good job. So I found two contrasting colours and then I found a third colour in my Jameson and Smith stash and uh, off I went. I had such a terrible time trying to knit, I think it's the fan and feather. Oh, and I'm knitting the full. <laughs> I'm knitting the full-sized Hansel by Gudrun Johnson, and I had such a terrible time with the border. I just, I don't know, I don't know why. It's not difficult, but I just could not keep count properly, and so that has been ripped out and fudged a lot. But 
I had to keep going. So there are mistakes in it, but I'm going to own them. And um, we are past that stage now. And then I needed a fourth contrasting color, which I didn't realize till I got there. And happily, I had been down to Harrisville Designs in Harrisville, New Hampshire, and had bought another skein of yarn and this was the um, just their natural shade and it fit in perfectly so now I am applying the border which I'm really having fun doing although you know because they're such short rows it goes quite quickly but it also feels like it's taking forever because it's quite a big shawl but let me tell you um, I am a process knitter I would say that this process has been extremely challenging for various reasons but um I cannot wait for the shawl to be finished and have it on my back. Uh, we recently got chickens and the rusty red color in the shawl <laughs> matches my chicken coop. <laughs> so this will, this will be my chicken shawl. And um, I, when, it's, when, the, when it's hard going, I um, imagine myself uh, going to collect eggs in my shawl in the morning. So <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do and keep on going. Having said all that, I am going to knit another hap, and it's going to be Kate Davis's, um, let me find this. It's the fan and feather design that she has, and she knit it out of uh, Shetland wool. It's the North Maven, and it is all feather and fan, and I am obsessing about knitting this, I think, because... I like a challenge and because I found this so challenging I want to overcome it by knitting a whole shawl of it and um, right now ideas for colors are swirling around in my head. So thank you so much for hosting this hap along. It's been a lot of fun, a great challenge which all knitters need once in a while and um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching the thread and hearing about it on your podcast. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. As well as, as knitting, of course, we have had some crochet haps and the lovely Shelley Mackay got in contact with me yesterday to tell me how she adored knitting the Alchemilia, no, she adored crocheting the Alchemilia shawl by Kat Golden. She said, for me, it was great that crochet was included in the hapalong. Most of these things tend to be focused on knitting. And although I can knit very well, my first love is crochet. I wasn't going to join in with this group initially until you did the wonderful post on your blog with crochet inspiration. I picked the Alcamilla shawl by Kat Golden. And although the central panel was simple, the edging was a bit of a challenge more to my concentration than anything. But my hap has now become a staple in my wardrobe and it's the first thing to be packed when we go away with the little lady, often being used as a blanket. Beyond the challenge itself, I have found the entire history of the hap fascinating. I'd never heard of a hap before your blog and podcast. Whenever I've mentioned it on my blog, I've had questions about haps, which is great. I've thoroughly enjoyed the hap along and although I don't go on Ravelry very often, when I've looked, there's always been some wonderful haps in amazing colours. Lots of inspiration and potential enabling for a second hap maybe knitted this time. There really is a hap out there for everyone. The history of the hap and the hap shawl and Shetland knitwear is really interesting to some people and that is what has been the impetus for joining the Cal, like Donna Schoonover, uh, who left us this message. Hello, it's Donna Schoonover on Ravelry and Donna Schoonover, D-O-N-N-A-S-C-H-O-O-N. 
I live in Woolley, Washington State, United States. I really wanted to call and thank Knit British for having this uh, knit along, this hat along. I uh, first became fascinated with hat shawls when I saw the online photos from the Shetland Museum of them being dressed um, on frames outside. And then became really fascinated when I saw one of the, when we visited the Shetland Islands at the uh, Croft House Museum. I never thought I'd actually be able to do one, but then I went on a retreat um, here locally um, in Washington State in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, and it was a Shetland retreat where we um, spun samples of Shetland wool from Shetland Islands from Britain and from different areas of the United States. They had all these samples of different styles of Shetland wool. And I thought after I'd finished that retreat, how nice it would be to make a a sampler hap shawl with it, but then put it away and didn't make any progress on it. And then this hap along came along and I'm like, what a perfect opportunity to accomplish my goal and um, I'm very close to finishing it. Hopefully I'll finish it in time. And I've really enjoyed the experience. And I would not, I don't think, have done it without this happening. So I'm so thrilled. Thank you. I've heard a lot. Many of you have wanted to try knitting a hap. And this cal has been fantastic for that. So thank you so much for joining in with the cal and, and knitting your beautiful haps that are now an actual item in your wardrobe rather than something you've only wished about knitting bring me down can nothing bring me down my level's too high to bring me down can nothing bring me down because i'm happy clap along if you feel like a room without a roof because i'm happy clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth because and so we have knitted haps for harriet's and North Maven haps. We've knitted Laurens and Quills and Kelpies. We've knitted Fluctas. We've knitted Hansels. We've knitted Bressa haps. We've knitted Haplan. <laughs> I can't say that. Haplapkins. We've knitted Hap cardigans. And now there are even more Hap designs in the world. Carrie Westerman has just released the Mayhe shawl as part of her Authors and Artists collection and this features hap construction. It's also knitted in Shetland Organics yarn, which is just, just a scrummy yarn. And it's a really beautiful take on the hap shawl with inspirations from New Zealand as well as Shetland. Also, uh, she has another a pattern coming out soon in conjunction with AN Other. Uh, it's a bit of a surprise at the moment, and so it's not details are not being released. But I believe around Yarndale time, September time, you will see that other Carrie Westerman uh, hap inspired shawl being released. The fantastic Katja Frankel as well has also released a shawl pattern which features hap construction tracery is designed in beautiful mohair yarn that's just come out from Yarn Garden. And if you have seen Yarn Garden, any of the uh, woolly events this year, you may have seen this yarn. 
this has hap, hap construction in the sense that you knit the border first, uh, the lace border, and then um, a central triangle is knitted from the border towards the neck. It's 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 such an ethereal shawl. It's so so beautiful, and I really love how floaty it is in that yarn. Um, so Hap's inspiration has gone further and wider than than I ever imagined and um, it's lovely to see more uh, designs coming out that feature uh, a little nod to the Hap. Our happy, happy Cal ends on Sunday the 12th and to be in with a chance of winning some of our amazing prizes, you need to post your hap picture in the finished object thread in the Knit British group by 11.59pm UK time on Sunday evening. And we do have some cracking prizes. I haven't decided how I'm going to award the prizes. Most of them will be random draws and I will use random.org to draw winners uh, via their post numbers on the finished object thread in the Ravelry group, which is why I said don't do commenting in the in on that thread. So it makes choosing winners easier. But I am going to choose my favourite. Do not ask me how. I know that it's going to be a lot of deliberation because there are over a hundred, well over a hundred um, entrants and they're all fantastic. Uh, I can tell you that of course the hap that I will choose will be my favourite um, but also as with all the haps in the hap finished object thread to be eligible for a prize it must be called a hap, it must have the kind of construction that we've discussed and um, it must be cast off by Sunday the 12th of July and a picture posted by 11.59pm on Sunday the 12th. A, a word about prizes, maybe don't expect me to choose the winners until after I've moved. <laughs> I, I'm so touched that the HAP has come to mean so much to so many of you and that you have enjoyed this cal and you have enjoyed the community and while I swallow a big lump in my throat at the thought of this cal ending I will pass you over to Jane Mox who had this to say about the Hapalong. This is Jane Mox calling from Gig Harbor, Washington in the Pacific Northwest corner of the United States. How terrific it's been to feel part of this supportive community, to know that it's a place to share knitting progress and problems, and where your fellow happers are willing to share tips and opinions in a friendly and constructive and often humorous way. Thanks so much to everyone on this hap-along, and to you, Louise, for making it happen. Cheers! All good things must come to an end. And... Yet, as Robert Louis Stevenson once wrote, the world is so full of a number of things, I'm sure we should all be as happy as kings. And if you have enjoyed the Hap Cal and you are looking for something else to keep your knitting hands busy because you will be in such withdrawal of the Hap Cal, you could join myself and the wonderful Isla from Brit Yarn in the Scully Along, Cal, which casts on on Friday the 17th 
of July. <laughs> Just move seamlessly from one cal straight into another. As lots of you may know, the Scully is a cardigan designed by the very lovely Carrie Westerman. And you can sign up for this cal in the Knit British group at the moment. And once the cal starts, the chat will be in the Brit Yarn group and each week it will change between the Brit Yarn group and the Knit British group and we'll take this scholly along cal on tour. And I'm really looking forward to it. There's lots of people who, who are interested, lots of people choosing yarn, lots of people choosing British yarn. I don't know why I had to say that with an American sort of accent. British. British <laughs> yarn. So that is what's happening next and I know that um, there will be a little bit of withdrawal. Although, having said that, the HapChat thread is staying open and you can chat in there for as long as you want and keep on telling us about your, your haps. But if you're looking for something else to knit, you can uh, knit a scully with Brit Yarn and myself. And if you're looking for yarn, you can look no further than BritYarn.co.uk where you will find fantastic yarns to suit any budget from the brilliant West Yorkshire spinners to Wendy Ramsdale to blacker yarns and Eden Cottage yarns and beyond. There's a there's a fantastic choice over there and uh, lots of people have been unwrapping their Brit yarn yarn packages in the Scully Long sign-up thread. So if you're stuck for a yarn, don't be stuck now. Head over to BritYarn.co.uk. So that is it for this episode. Thank you for reflecting back on the hap along with me. Thank you so much for taking part. And thank you so much for getting in touch and telling me how much you've enjoyed the hap along. I have really enjoyed hosting the hap along. I really can't wait to see people in their haps. And if you are coming to Shetland Wool Week... Um, I would particularly like to see you in your haps at Shetland Wool Week. And I know a few of you have already told me that you're coming along and it would be really lovely to see, see you there with your haps. It'd be lovely to see you there anyway. I'm actually involved in one of the events at Shetland Wool Week, which is uh, the Stitches in the Stacks event at Shetland Library. And uh, we would love to see you there to... Um, delve through the knitterly and woolly uh, literary treasures uh, that Shetland Library has and we have quite a lot and stay and browse, bring your whips uh, have some tea and home bakes and I'd love to see you there bring a hap <laughs> anyway thank you so much for listening uh, to the podcast and uh, for understanding uh, that there has been a, a slight uh, break from the normal schedule. I will be back soon, definitely by the end of the month, coming to you from a brand new Edinburgh location. You will find all the links, hopefully, uh, in the show notes, but do check out the finished object threat on Ravelry for all those fantastic finished hap shawls. And thank you for listening. For now, take good care and be happy thanks for listening to the knit british podcast to find out more visit www.knitbritish.net you can email me louise at knitbritish.net i'm on twitter and instagram as at knit 
underscore British and I'm on Ravelry as Lyra. You can listen to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher Radio and knitbritish.net. 